Uh, right, hello uh, everybody. Welcome to today's podcast. This is Adrian Boothy here. It's the 30th of March 2020 uh, and this is the Trend Signal Trading Podcast. And what we're talking about today, uh, well, a relative bounce in the markets and as we call the title, even dead cats bounce on a $2 trillion stimulus package. It'd be hard not to have a bounce off something like that, you would think, but then these are uncertain times. So uh, I'm here with uh, my colleague and chief market analyst at Trend Signal, Jerry Miller. Hello, Jerry. Hello there. Hi. Hi. How 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 are we doing, Jerry? All uh, all safe, You're corona not... free. Yep, cough free, corona free. That's good. We had a, a small scare last week with uh, my middle child was forty point three degrees, um, but he actually got through it after about okay. twelve about twelve hours. So he was he was all right. We're, we're back okay. Again. Not without a bit. Not without a bit of angst. Yeah. No, there was definitely uh, de definitely a decent share of that, that's for sure. But uh, and what about the markets? Plenty of angst in the markets or are we feeling a little bit better about them? Uh, well, the market feels better about itself, that's for sure. But uh, in terms of the prospects, it's still uncertain. And, and this is the problem with these markets. People sort of say, well, well, now it's going to do this because this news has come out. And now this news has come out, it's going to do this. No one really knows. We've not dealt with a pandemic of this proportion. We've suffered from Hong Kong flu back in the 60s. We've had MERS and SARS, but they weren't pandemics. Nothing like what's going on here. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of question marks over what's happening, but a lot of it is we can articulate our views on it and, 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 and tell them what we think, what it means and how it may affect the markets, but nothing. It, it It's far from certain. That's, that's for sure. Um, yeah. Well, one thing that is certain is what's already happened. So why don't we have a look at um, uh, the markets over the last few uh, days? Well, last week, a bit of a bounce on the equity markets and a bit of a bounce on the euro and the and the pound, wasn't there, Jerry? Uh, yeah, there was. Um, what it, it's you, you know you might refer to this as risk on, but that that would be incorrect. It is a version of risk on, but I would call it a risk correction. So what I mean by risk correction is that markets may have overdone it on the downside perhaps the previous week uh, and yeah. so last week I think there was a bit of a re-evaluation of things some of the sectors uh, were reappraised uh, some of the hospitality and travel sector certainly in the US got absolutely whacked uh, some stocks up to 80% uh, in terms of uh, value lost so uh, a bit of value buying or I think we might call it bottom fishing um, but I mean, anyway, it helped the market. An eighty percent fall sounds staggering. You think, how on earth is that going to happen? But you know, let's let's face facts: that there are going to be some companies that are going to go bust. They're not going to bail everyone out, yeah, are they? Yeah. Or are they? Yeah, when you know. go bust, you lose hundred percent. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, and absolutely paid out last. Let's face it. Well, yeah, shareholders. If the company goes bust, then there's no um, uh, value in the business anymore. Not to the shareholders. Uh, it's left to. Uh, there'll be a lot of Chapter 11s flying around, but of course. Um, the government in the governments in the US, in Europe, and in the UK are doing all they can now. So this is different to the great financial crisis, Adrian, where it really was down to central banks to get that oil into the machine uh, and and make sure that the machine didn't um, seize up. This is where the actual machine, as we said last week, is just falling apart. Uh, and the important thing is that our governments have to pr protect and preserve businesses so that when this is over people can get back to work but if airlines have gone bust in pounds uh, planes have been impounded bank covenants have been breached and people have been sacked and have gone off and it, it becomes very difficult so this is the real problem that governments are faced with as for the markets last week 
they did bounce, uh, a significant bounce. Uh, the European mm. markets less so, uh, and the reason being is that they didn't have, they had a worse week the previous week, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a way, they had less. Uh, um, sorry, the, the, the US markets had the worst week the previous week. They had recovered a little bit the previous week. So, in essence, and I think the stimulus uh, the was slightly ahead in the in Europe than uh, the US as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd done. We'd certainly we'd cut rates pretty quickly here in the UK. We'd had the budget, then we'd had an emergency uh, sort of announcement by Rishi Sunak to help businesses, and then you had the further one to help self-employed people. So, yeah, there's a lot of the timeline sort of stretches back a little bit further with us. But the Dow, 2,462 points, it rallied last week, Adrian, and that, by the way, was after I don't know whether you watched the market on Friday night in the last did, half. Yeah. 700 points just like a knife through butter that yeah, tells you unreal it, it was a phenomenal yeah. dynamic trader trade with that strategy there I and mean, I, I could i could probably bring the charts up now but it was it was textbook i mean as, as was the long just before then i mean you're often getting this into the close these sort of big moves into the close and of course in the weekend people are just going to take a bit of risk off into the weekend aren't they because who knows what's going to yeah. happen over the weekend yeah and, yeah uh, no, that's exactly that's exactly what happens I mean, um, it was almost surprising to be as high as it was coming into uh, the, the, the very end of the day. But um, yeah, it's staggering. Well, um, if, if you poured your gin and tonic early on Friday evening, you might have been a bit uh, misty eyed on Saturday morning and looked at your screen and thought, what the hell? <laughs> It's, it's funny. Cause I, I remember, you know, some of the moves that um, were taking place on the two-minute charts. You know, as we sort of getting to the very early part of March, and there was, you know, one or two sort of five, six, seven hundred-point winners on the Dow. Um, and you just think, my God, you know, and all of a sudden you have this big. But they're happening all the time now. It's just. It's, yeah, they do. They are. They are. But of course, stocks are wider. And, and, and yeah, it's, you know. yeah, but 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 it is important to understand that. The reason why this is happening is not because someone sort of flicked a switch. It's because there is so much uncertainty, and the market is driven sharply in one direction, like it was last week. You know, two and a half thousand points nearly on the Dow, and that's after it fell those 700 points in the evening on Friday. So otherwise, it would have been 3,100 points. That would have been near sort of 15%. Um, yeah. Needless to say, it was probably the best three-day winning streak for decades, really. Um, and as you've pointed out, that was a reaction to the two trillion dollar uh, stimulus or rescue deal, whatever you want to call it, that was agreed by Congress. And then Trump uh, finally signed it off into law uh, on Friday. So uh, it, it's that I think there's gosh, people saying, oh, we've got a bottom put in now. Do you think that's it on the downside? Again, I, I it would be a, I'd be very foolish to start uh, saying that's the case. Um, there's a lot more news to come out. Time will tell, won't it? All we can do is take one move yeah, at a time, yeah. which is just a bit of a you know, yeah. sort of football yeah. thing, isn't it? Game and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But just is what it is. We get too carried away with um, this move and think, oh, that's it. We're going to go straight back up to 30,000. Then I think people are set for a bit of a loss, aren't they? Let's face it. Well, what, what, what's interesting, even with that rally, though, Aidan, so the market's rallied, what, nearly 13% on the Dow, 10.5% uh, on the S&P. Uh, DAX and Eurostock, uh, DAX, Eurostox and FTSE, all less so last week, as, as I've said at the beginning, DAX rallied about just under 8%, the FTSE rallied just over 6% um, for reasons that we have discussed. But 
the, the US stocks are, t are still 25% below their peak. And they peaked, they had an all-time high on the 19th of February. Isn't that mad? Yeah. You know. It seems like so long ago, it's, it's less than six weeks ago. Well, of course, that was 19th of February. We were making new highs whilst the China was, has gone into lockdown. And we were just, yeah. I was sort of thinking, how come they'd managed to sort of close the borders to this virus? I mean, surely it's got out. Anyway, uh, yeah, we history, had a new uh, all-time high, didn't we, on the, the 20th of February, uh, I think it was, yeah. on the S&Ps. Um, and yeah. yeah, and at the time, they were talking, the articles were saying, because we talked about this in the podcast, but how they were saying that uh, uh, they've priced in the risk of uh, the coronavirus, uh, and yet the market yeah. was at all-time highs. And, and, and like we, some questionable uh, pricing in. <laughs> no, but I do. I do remember we said we didn't think that the market had priced in enough risk from this. God talk about not pricing in enough risk <laughs> uh, obviously yeah. a lot of stuff has changed then now i mean the u.s didn't have one case of coronavirus and now it's got 120,000. well we were talking about this earlier weren't we i mean they've um, 142,000 uh the u.s so they've jumped to the top of the uh, official stats quite how accurate uh these official stats are um we okay yeah i'm not sure what, what, what's that date i've got the one from the ft and it's yeah, it's got 142,735. Yeah. Italy with 97,000, and Spain with 85,000. I, I, gosh, it's just extraordinary. Uh, but um, I, I do know that the likes of Veneto and Lombardy, the virus was circulating there for at least three weeks everywhere, and nothing was done about it. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I think we're going to peak. I think we'll probably be up at gosh, 100,000 before we start to turn down. Yeah, because but, but, um, it, it, it's interesting what we were saying earlier, though, is that the, the level of testing is very different between different countries. So you look at the anomaly of Germany, which has got 62,000 cases, but only 541 deaths, which is you know, less than, um, it's very low uh, percentage, isn't it? That's yeah, and, and, so it's and, less and, than 1%, and, whereas UK, it's, it's more than that. But it's like 5%, yeah. yeah. But, but the reason being that we're not testing anything like as much. And so... Our number of infections at 19,500 clearly understates the real picture. And, and these epidemiologists have all said that it's likely that the infection rate is 10 times this amount, uh, not just in the UK, but in other countries. But obviously in Germany, they've gone to a lot of lengths to actually test more and more people so that they know are nearer the number that they infection rate that they've got, 62,000. And it's likely, of course, deaths are deaths. Deaths reported because people die, but yeah. um, you, you don't have the infection rate right, right. So it's likely that uh, if you take an, a mortality rate similar to Germany, then our infection rate is um, is quite a bit higher than Germany's. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. And what about the, um, the forex markets then, Jerry? Um, what what have we been seeing there? Oh, gosh, almost as, uh, I mean, it's quite unusual to see the sort of volatility um, in the US dollar uh, that we've seen over the last three weeks. It's just an extraordinary move. Uh, first of all, the extraordinary move in the uh, dollar as it rallied and, and people are sort of wondering, well, why is the dollar rallying? Why, why, is, why is the dollar, you know, if you look at what happened in the euro, for example, you know, the euro, what did it go from um, uh, 114 or thereabouts around the 10th, 11th of March, 
Yeah, uh, well, then we we nearly hit... 115, and then we went down yeah. to 106.40, uh, 106.30 or so, um, okay. what, 10 days later. And now yeah, we're back okay. up somewhere I mean, in the middle. Yeah, that's right. So it's effectively, what you've got to remember is the euro is a reserve currency, but the dollar is the world's reserve currency. Uh, and in the blind panic that there was, two, uh, not last week, but the previous week, investors were selling assets as, as soon as they could to free up, put it into cash. They were selling sovereign bonds, which normally would be safe haven assets. They were selling gold. But what did they put their money in? Dollars. Hence the reason why the dollar rallied. Now, you might say, well, hang on a second. Well, why has the dollar fallen sharply last week? Well, that's because it was no one was selling last week, they were buying. <laughs> so it was sort of a risk correction. And the same reason you got a risk correction in equities, you also got this correction in the US dollar. And that's what saw the dollar uh, fall from sort of 107 against the euro uh, back up to 111, where it is at the moment. Well, I, I suspect um, there'll be a bit of backing and filling because those three last those three days last week, uh, just an extraordinary move from 108 up to 111. That's proper volatility for our forex markets. Yeah, absolutely. That's something we kind of lacked um, for a chunk of last year, didn't we? But um, yeah. my word, it's it's uh, it's come back. Yeah. So up about four percent on euro dollar last week. Um, pound yeah. dollar up more than that. I mean, that was um, that was even yeah. Well, we we, we were talking uh, about this earlier on, Adrian. It, it, I think what caused the initial um, collapse in sterling was the fact that the, our central bank, the Bank of England, cut rates uh, outside of a, a normal meeting from 75 basis points uh, down to 25 basis points to the initial half point cut. And that really pulled the rug from underneath sterling. And you might say, well, well what does that? Why would that weaken sterling? You know, it's gone from virtually nothing to less than nothing in terms of interest rate, but that's still something that investors enjoy. So if you've got euros where you're getting nothing and you decide and you put your money in sterling, you're gonna get a positive carry because you're gonna earn interest on it. But all of a sudden, 25 basis points, you're down to a quarter percent, and then they cut it again. So you, you see what I mean? There was no mm. there was such thing happening in, in Euroland. Um, and, and so that's the reason why sterling crumbled as much as it did. As with most things, where a pendulum in the market performs, that pendulum swung a little bit too far. Um, I think sub, you know, 115 was just overdoing it, and the market has rebounded. So uh, that's a significant rebound, uh, even more so than the euro. So sterling was up nearly eight cents yesterday, uh, up what is that, sort of 6.7%, Adrian? But yeah, you might say, wow, that's amazing. I've never seen a move like that. Well, look at the move. You know, it fell from 131 and a half down to 115 in um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight, nine days. So less than two weeks. We just, we, it's not easy to always sort of explain it on fundamentals, but I'd say that that just got sold too heavily and too hard too quickly. And that's the reason why we're seeing that. It certainly make a bit of sense. I mean, euro against other currencies um, certainly didn't fare as well as it did against the dollar, uh, whereas pound seemed to rally pretty much against everything else uh, last week. Yeah. So yeah. Um, sort of suggests that the pound was just overcooked. Uh, yeah. And, and if you look at the, a euro sterling chart, Adrian, especially, you can see where we are now is where we were on the 13th. So a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So it's, 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 you could just sort of rule out that spike up to 95 and back down again. It's almost like it didn't happen, although it did for reasons we've discussed. Uh, 
markets are just volatile uh, and the volatility is not because someone's pushed a switch or anything it's because there is so much uncertainty and markets are trying to sort of articulate the risk in the markets and and it's a it's a very much a changing situation isn't it i mean it only it is yeah yeah you know only recently you know there are announcements if you look at the papers today uh, i think the front page of the um express and the mail talks about a lockdown this whole thing lasting for six months donald trump thinks it's going to be over by the end of april it, in fact if it was going to be over in the middle of april i mean all of this is that's just plain wrong but it's a little bit perhaps over tightening the screws a little bit saying six months but you can imagine us being in lockdown and then gradually some restrictions being eased but but if it's not, if it eases too quick, if things are eased too quickly, the virus uh, spread will just increase again, and you'll have the same pressure on the National Health Service. People will die that shouldn't die, et cetera, et cetera. But on, on another point, fascinating to see Mercedes and UCL uh, collaborating on the manufacture of these breathing aids, these um, yeah, yeah, um, uh, the uh, CPAP machines, these continuous positive airway pressure machines. It's interesting because we don't have enough ventilators. When someone's on a ventilator, they've got to be sedated because the tube goes down their, you know, esophagus or whatever it is, or into the, you know, to make sure they get air into their lungs. Whereas this is something that you you can wear and carry on whilst lying in bed. Uh, and also they're very cheap to manufacture. And it's just amazing that along with university, as it, you know, the uh, University College London, I think UCL, uh, and their um, engineers, they managed to come up with something that is going to deliver oxygen to the lungs without the need for a ventilator. So it will cut down the use of ventilators by 50%. You know, that's just got to be good, hasn't it? It's got to be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what, what do we think about the markets for the for the week ahead? I mean, I, I know last week was a, a bumper week for us for our end of day uh, swing traders. We're up uh, for March, you know, well over 2000 points for the month now. Um, yeah. Um, I guess it's just sitting, sitting, waiting for the next turns, really, isn't it? I, I suppose. Um, yeah. I mean, we can only trade what we what what we see in front of us, Adrian, can't we? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, and there, there, there's been some amazing moves, actually. I mean, you look at the likes of Euro Sterling, the sell trade there. I mean, I was talking about this to to people that you know the market was running up, and I was talking about some of these moves that are going to come back the other way, going to be interesting this might be short-lived and maybe we'll move back in line with the longer term direction but for now uh, the markets are putting in some some fantastic trading opportunities so we see euro sterling we see pound dollar um we see a lot of the pound moves last week we were along quite a few weren't we so the likes of pound yeah. against the canadian dollar um fantastic buy after 170.99 and there it is some 400 points higher um Similar picture on a lot of markets, wasn't it, Jerry? A lot of reversals yeah. kind of everywhere. And that's because there's quite a big level of correlation across the board, isn't there? Right? Yeah, and, 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 and of course, it's an appreciation of the quite an expansion in volatility. But whilst un, if you understand that, then it's, it's a lot easier to trade. You are never going to buy the bottom of any market. That never happens. Because if you do, you're speculating on, a, on it being the bottom. I mean, what do we do on cable? Though, yeah, what do we do on cable? I mean, we ended up buying cable at sort of one eighteen seventy odd, having seen it back down at one stage. It was down at close to one fourteen. 
But yeah. the reason why it's safer to buy it at 118 than 114, sure, you made a lot more money if you bought it at 114, but a lot of people could have been buying it at 115, 116, 117, 118, 119, all the way down. But the market's yeah. only reversed when it's confirmed that. And that's the reason why uh, it, you know, it, it has an, you have to appreciate that to make to, to feel confident about it yeah. that's what trend signal does I, I think the problem at the moment with the, the the size of the moves is that low and high are such relative terms aren't they i mean you look at sterling dollar that's um you know that's on the right hand side of the chart there 128 that's low compared to where it was yeah. that's even lower does that make that mm. good value to buy well relative to two days ago very good value but actually the, the it's a changing thing isn't it so again that's even lower that's even lower that's even lower so you don't know it's going up until it's after it started to go up and if all you're going to do is try and buy a market just because it's cheap then you're going to have some big problems and yeah. uh, as some people probably were buying your uh, pound dollar at 125 um, and God knows whether they were still still long at this point. Probably not. Well, they're, they're, they're probably the people who are selling it down at one fourteen, and you know that's that's what happens, isn't it? They get yeah, forced into trading. Yeah, you know, it'll never go down there, and, and of course it does. No, so that's one of the things we have to be careful of, and and very much waiting until these signals are confirmed, uh, and that's when we take those trades. There's uh, the 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 expression is cheap and expensive, but just relative terms. And when someone sort of says to me where do you think it could go my aunt honestly my genuine answer is i don't really know we've got targets on our charts of course that's one thing but in a longer term how can you value the value of sterling against the dollar um in the long run now i mean central banks are not central banks investment banks tried to do it at the beginning of the year they all mm. said the dollar was going to weaken this year well completely yeah. wrong and you actually well, of course they're wrong because of what's happened with covid19 but they were wrong even but that's before. the point but that's the point is there's always going to be something that's going to change it. You can't really take a view um, that that long, can you? So for us, all we do is look at one sort of turn at a time, uh, really, yeah. isn't it? One match at a time. Um, you know. Yeah, and, and how effective it was last week. That was, uh, yeah, a golden, a golden moment, which is good. Well, it was a golden moment because we, we we made over 800 points on that market alone, um, just on swing trading, didn't we? So that was, yeah. that was very, very golden uh, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What about oil? Because that's taking another uh, leg down, isn't it, Jerry? So what's you know? Yeah. No well, that, that, there, but can we talk I mean, that, that, about it? Yeah, we can. That, that, that's what really kicked the markets lower overnight with the Far East markets. Um, as soon as they opened up, oil just fell another. God, I don't know, another buck or whatever it is. I mean, it's no more well, than no, that. I mean, we like closed two, two dollars on that. So. Yeah. That's the move yeah. down from the from the open. So we closed Friday on Brent at around sort of twenty four eighty, and now here, yeah. you know, twenty two eighty. You know, it's it's fallen yeah. another two dollars, which is yeah, that's about eight percent. Yeah, it's significant. It, it, and of course, it doesn't need to fall far now. When you're at twenty bucks, uh, when you're up, when you're at sort of a hundred bucks, um, you need a big move for five percent. But you don't need much when you're down <laughs> to twenty bucks. And of course. It's the same deal. Um, you've got a collapse in uh, demand for oil. No one's using gasoline or petrol or diesel. Aviation fuel. I haven't seen a plane fly over my house for donkeys. Uh, so demand is falling dramatically, and the outlook just looks bleak. Uh, especially it's interesting whilst... because I remember when oil was up at sort of 140 a barrel, uh, and there were 
talking about all sorts of different ways in which they can extract oil. It's a lot more expensive to try and suck more oil out of the rocks, which um, was more expensive to do, but they could still make a profit at 140. Let's make you sort of wonder which places can actually, which businesses, which um, can actually make profits with the price as low as it is now. I mean, I know Saudi yeah, have few. got the cheapest production costs, so they're all right, and they kind of triggered the whole price war in the first place. But there's got to be, there's got to be quite a few places you just can't produce it at this price. No, sure, no. A lot of the deep water rig uh, places where they extract oil, you know, from the Gulf of Mexico to uh, uh, Borneo and places like that. There's a lot of expensive um, production areas, especially shale oil uh, as well. They reckon the production costs there are sort of north of 50 bucks a barrel. So down at $20, you can only imagine what was happening. And remember, these shale oil companies that have proliferate, proliferated over the last uh, sort of eight, uh, five to eight years, uh, they are really running uh, on empty in terms of cash reserves. Uh, but of course, the, the issue with shale oil is that you're not in the middle of a North Atlantic or North Sea or in the Gulf of Mexico. You can literally just turn the switch off and stop stop the, stop the fracking. Um, mm. So whilst I, I know Saudi Arabia, the spat started with Russia, uh, but I think Saudi Arabia are looking to take market share from Russia and the US shale uh, oil business. So I can only assume, or we can only assume that shale oil production in the US, which is it's very significant now, it actually makes the US the largest producer in the world now. Not, not that they export much of it, uh, but without, uh, with the shale oil businesses going, being multiple, then uh, Saudi Arabia wants to get that uh, share of the market back again. And in Russia as well, has got more expensive production. They will suffer as well on the back of this. And remember, they're very much a sort of commodity-driven um, economy as well. So uh, this is not what they'd like to see. But then again, they were the architect of it, partly, when they refused to play ball with Saudi Arabia at the last OPEC meeting. Be careful what you wish for. There you go. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay, so um, anything else uh, worth referring to before we look at what's um, what's coming up for the week ahead? Uh, yeah, we can do. I mean, the the data last week was pretty shocking, uh, but I do think uh, you know we haven't really focused about China. We all thought that China was going to drag the global economy close to a recession, but of course, as the whole thing, the epicenter for this epidemic has now become Europe, uh, very much a Western. Uh, economic issue as well. Um, we sort of forgot about China to a certain extent, uh, but you know Chinese economic activity has uh, uh, is not going to offset the massive bumps that are happening in the rest of the uh, world's economies. Uh, and I think at the big, I think it was over the weekend China announced that industrial profits have plunged uh, by 60 billion in mm. February. That's year on year. So you know there's massive damage being done there. Uh, it really has. And and I think they're going to have to be very careful how they allow uh, people back to work, whether there'll be another spike in um, infections there as well. So we're all sort of, we're, we're behind, uh, obviously, the likes of, tai, of Taiwan, uh, South Korea, China, uh, and we're looking at those countries and it, Italy and Spain, and we're looking to see how they've developed and what they've done to try and counteract it. And I just think we're going to be going probably the same way as Italy and Spain because they've not done anything wrong. Uh, they were slow to react, but I think we were relatively slow as well. Uh, maybe because of our borders being the English Channel, uh, maybe uh, there hasn't been such a great uh, mix 
uh, with the rest of Europe, if you know what I mean. But uh, I'll let the epidemiologist let us know about that rather than guess at it. Yeah, yeah. And that's probably sensible. Um, yeah. Okay, so for the week coming up, we do have a bit of uh, Chinese data tomorrow, don't we, for manufacturing PMI? I'm just bringing up the calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 44.9. So remember, 50 being the status quo. So we're expecting a you know a relative contraction uh, in manufacturing PMI. I don't know. Some of these numbers probably feel like they're sort of finger in the air, don't they? Bit bit of sort of guesswork. Uh, well, finger in the air, and then not, not even close half the time as well, because we're so, in such uncharted territory, you know, with with bulk of the population in the West really being in lockdown, no one's working. And if there's no, you know, if there's no uh, wealth creators anymore, uh, businesses are being mothballed, the gross domestic product will be collapsing. There's you know, there's talk that the UK GDP in Q2 in the second quarter, so that's April, May, June, is going to be minus 15%. Yeah, extraordinary. I mean, I uh, but it will recover in the third quarter and fourth quarter. Uh, but um, overall on the year, we're talking about a collapse in GDP, maybe of 5%, something like that. So um, significant, uh, quite significant. Anyway, so, so manufacturing PMI uh, at, in, in China, um, it's interesting because they're actually calling for a, a forecasting a bigger number than the previous month, and that's because the previous month was a complete shutdown uh, because of the spread of the um, virus. So that, that's because they were way ahead of us. Uh, I'm still not sure I'd rely on 44.9. I think it'd be worse than that. But does it matter, Aidan? You know, no. uh, it looks it looks no. a bit confusing. Um, you know, as I said, the whole of China, I think, was on an extended holiday for three weeks in February. Do you remember when they had their New Year and they extended it by? couple of weeks um, and that's the reason why the data is going to be better in March but uh, I, I think, think it's more the, the the live sort of content. a lot of this data is historic isn't it so it's a lot of the live content that will be coming out in terms of deaths whether they're slowing down what are the what else is happening to businesses that's the thing that's really going to be driving uh, yeah yeah markets yeah. isn't it yeah, um, I agree like non-farm payroll you know uh, we looked at this number as a fall of 81,000 um, really come on um well Adrian, we were it's historic about... isn't it it's for the whole of it's for the whole yeah. of march and i mean it's... this is an important number or it should be but it just in the context of what's happening with covid19 infection rates death rates development of medical devices and stuff they suddenly these those events sound more important not non-farm payroll or adp employment change or ism manufacturing data or whatever it might be um yeah. it, it's it's just not important adrian it, no. it, it just isn't um but anyway so but we talk about it because that's part of what we do uh, the important thing is to keep those same disciplines up uh but understanding that you know uh, these things are going to have little impact if other things are going on and we saw it last week uh, with the initial claims which is the you know this weekly unemployment uh, claims you see that on thursday the 2nd of april at 12:30 those un well, actually i think your your clock might be a bit incorrect there you might need to just check your um Ooh, yeah. clock yeah it should be uh, just match it to the the computer clock match automatically so anyway so that comes out at 1:30 um on thursday but those unemployment claims of uh, when well, they're not even putting in an estimate are they you know, mm. I mean, it could just—it could be horrendous. Um, there, there, there's an article in the Financial Times, Adrian, uh, that's uh, how many more U.S. jobs um, 
will be lost as coronavirus spreads is the is the title of the article and in it the financial times says the st louis fed so this is one of the federal districts that are represented on the um uh, federal uh, reserves uh, open market committee they predict the unemployment rate could exceed 32 percent 32 percent it's they're predicting at 3.8 percent this friday 32 percent that's 50 million people out of work extraordinary that might be an outlier i hope it is but uh it is extraordinary isn't it uh so yeah we have to take all that with a just not with a a pinch of salt but uh um you just never know there's so much um uh, that we don't know at this stage I think, um, I think so, the point is we'll just trade what we see on the charts, really, and let's not try and get correct. too bogged down in the economic data but, because it's going to be which, which we, the numbers are going to be bigger than you and I can probably sort of understand, comprehend, yeah, and yeah. let's just focus it, on where the turns are. Correct. It's almost better to talk about them after they've come out. But as I said, part of our job is to, to make sure make sure everyone's aware of what is coming out. I'll, I'll quickly run through them then. This this thing called the Conference Board Consumer Confidence in the US coming out at three o'clock on Tuesday. A regular uh, leading indicator. I've got a feeling that number, the forecast of 115, is going to be worse than what they're forecasting. Uh, we then got uh, on Wednesday at 115 that we got the private payroll company ADP that put out their own reading on non-farm employment change. Again, it's a stab in the dark of what they're forecasting. Uh, I'm sure ADP will be telling us. Um, and we'll find out at 1.15 uh, on Wednesday. Uh, ISM manufacturing PMI, again, these numbers, my suspicions are that they are don't represent the real fact. But that, remember in March that it, it didn't happen immediately in March uh, uh, in terms of um, the layoff and the lockdown and everything else. It's quite a, a recent phenomenon, but uh, I just think those numbers are going to be shy of it. Um, initial claims we've discussed, but and then we get on to the non-farm payroll numbers. Um, normally, you see a positive number, Adrian, so non-farm employment change as the economy has carried on doing well in the US and stock markets yeah. hit record highs. You know, you're talking about one to 200,000 jobs being created every month. Well, a minus number mean that jobs have been destroyed um, or uh, are, are going the other way. Um, the fact is, 81,000, as you said to me, really? <laughs> it could I mean, be that there's going to be a lag of a month. I mean, if you think about the whole of March, I mean, maybe there were only 81. So people are still going to be paid for the month of March. Well, um, the, the, the so Bureau of Labor is the lag. I don't know. But, well, possibly, but the Bureau of Labor Statistics is uh, calculates the number for the whole of March. And that's why... Uh, you know they publish it they can it's all done real time they can publish it pretty quickly as they do on the first friday of the following month so uh, mm-hmm. anyway the employment rate 3.8 percent. so that's the first jump for quite a while from 3.5 significant and i think you're going to see a lot more significant jumps than that in the months and the weeks ahead yeah. yeah yeah absolutely i think so um okay um is that um is that everything jerry do you think yeah that's that's it adrian um, it's okay. a very interesting times that the times that not even I have experienced having been following the market since uh, at 19, uh, 1933 1980 <laughs> well I've been in the market since 1980 so I've seen a, a lot of bumps but this is probably the biggest for sure yeah yeah um okay so well look well, let's call it an end to the session there then shall we so um everybody will be back again as usual um for